there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can light up your funnels. Let's go. This is Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm Chris Mechanic. Join me as we go deep into the secrets of the world's elite marketing minds. Performance Marketing Insiders is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. My guest today is Christy Milani. She's currently CMO at Telesign, which is an industry-leading communication platform as, as a service, a CPaaS. They're relied on by the world's most trusted brands, including many, many uh, household names. Prior to that, Christy headed up growth marketing for tech brands like Anal Plan, Poly, and Plantronics. So welcome to the show, Christy. We're excited to have you. Excited to be here. Thank you so much. So uh, let's jump right in. I've heard you say before that metrics, or I'm not, I'm sorry, not metrics, that benchmarks uh, are dead. Yes. Why is that? And what should marketers use instead of benchmarks? So when I think about the benchmark is dead, I think about it in the very traditional sense of when people ask marketers in particular, when you're ready to present to the board, you're ready to present to the rest of the executive team, you're always asked to give year over year benchmarks. And we look at them individually. Here's the five things we are measured on and tell me what it was last year at this time and what it is at this year this time. I think the pandemic shook benchmarks up dramatically because everything in the world changed. We had to do things differently. We couldn't rely on in-person. We couldn't rely on everybody feeling safe to spend money to do business. And so it's that is one of those where it feels, not to sound like a toddler, but a little unfair to be using a year over year when you look at it that way. It's also in the sense of we have to look at it differently to where an SQL, for an example, is what marketing is often measured on. Mm -hmm. Not all SQLs are treated the same. So if I brought in 100 last year and I brought in a 50 this year, well, the average deal size of the SQLs I brought in may have been three times. So we end up contributing more to closed win business. So what I am recommending to my marketing peers is come up with what and how you want to be measured and come up with what that equation is. So it's not just one thing. I want to be measured on MQLs, SQLs, average deal size, closed win opportunities, and then net retention potentially. So that if you look at all of those together, it tells a much more holistic story And then you get to then, of course, dig into each of them. People want to know why. Why was it less than it was last year? But it's all about how you define it and bring the context. Benchmark to me is sort of a buzzword that we've been using for years. It doesn't mean that it's right. So looking at it differently and starting to almost blend them together gives us a better sense than on what's marketing's contribution. And not to mention and not to forget that some of the things, I know people don't like to hear this, but some things that marketing does is hard to measure. And so being forced to find a benchmark is tough. We can, we look at influence, we look at everything, but don't give up on using more of a blended approach rather than just being measured 
one thing year over year because the story is bigger than that for all of us. Boom. There you have it. Very nicely done, Christy. That was excellent. With a couple seconds to spare. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it is a really good point. And um, to me, myself, like I'm an executive, so I look at the business sort of holistically. Like there's not one number that I look at, yeah. except maybe like revenue or profit that it's like a benchmark like that in my mind. But I think a lot of marketers resonate with this because I know, and many of our clients are measured just on one or two metrics, you know, mm -hmm. just on, uh, but that's an incredibly good point. And I think that a lot of marketers today are just looking at the number, you know, the number of uh, ticks in the box, so to speak, yep. and not necessarily the quality. Yeah. So I've got some follow-up questions for you, but I like sure. the concept of almost making it an equation instead yeah. of just a single uh, metric or a few metrics. Yeah. Let's end here, but we'll continue talking, uh, you and I. If you want to hear the rest of Christy and I's talk, uh, you can either stick around if you're on the website, or you'll find a link in the uh, show notes, in the description to the additional footage. But let's sign off to keep the main episode short here, Christy. Uh, let everybody know where they can learn more about yourself as well as Telesoc. Sounds like you guys yes. are doing some cool stuff. Yeah, very cool stuff. It's a, a very exciting time for us. Telesign.com really shows where the journey we are from our messaging and positioning. And then you can always find me on LinkedIn at Christy Milani. Uh, I'm pretty active on all of my mobile devices. So uh, I tend to respond to as many as I can. But uh, nice. please feel free to reach out. Christy Milani, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thank you very much, Christy. We're super excited to be here today with the one and only Miss Mrs. Anna Griffin. Uh, Anna is a very seasoned marketing executive. She's currently CMO at Intercom, which is an awesome uh, growth plan that kind of uh, breaks down the sales and marketing divide. Uh, previously, she's been at CA Technologies and leadership roles at Juniper Networks and just a very, very impressive individual and fun talking to as well, it turns out. Um, Anna, thank you so much for joining us here today. My pleasure. Excited to be here and thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. All right. So Anna, today I'd like to talk to you about this, uh, about sales and marketing and basically how they're before our eyes merging almost into one. Um, and I know that that with Intercom, you're basically at the forefront of this emerging space. So I'm really curious, like, what are you seeing out there on the front lines in terms of, you know, net new innovations or like, where do you see it going like in the next two, three, four, five years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, think about it. Um, you know, there's been so much enormous growth opportunity, you know, the past um, 20, ever, ever since the rise of the internet for businesses, but particularly the past, you know, uh, five years, like, you know, grow, grow, grow. You know, there's all these new business models and all this energy and innovation to be able to, to grow. And in that quest for growth, what happens is those lines start to blur um, between sales, marketing, support, um, even product. Whose job is it to sell? Is no longer just the sales organization's job to sell. Marketing yeah. is selling. The product selling. Support is selling. Uh, you know, it, you, you're selling is happening. You know, across the entire customer lifecycle and in, in this, you know, this push for growth. And so, when you think about it, the roles really do get overlapped. So, let's say a sales representative is on the phone and is answering a support question from a customer on a free trial in order to convert that customer to a paid plan. Or maybe yeah. a marketing representative is upselling a new product while leveraging a customer's 
historical you know, uh, usage or support interactions. And so you, and you can even see how customer support you know, starts to, to jump in uh, as, as a marketer, you know, trying to talk about upcoming product releases and uh, uh, you know, with, with, you know, with customers. So, so you see this, this big overlap. And in a world where that's happening, um, you, you, you really do want to find a, a, a platform if you don't mind me saying intercom uh, as yeah. the platform to do that, that allows a seamless in- interaction between those, between all of those different uh, you know, functions of a company, that ability to have you know, a single customer record, that ability to pass off to, to sales. If you know that you've got you know, a, a very hot lead or that ability to pass over to support, if you know somebody actually needs support more than they need a, you know, a, a transactional moment. And so um, I, I love where the future is going and the ability to have a single customer record to do that, a platform to do that. Yeah. And what I really love is what um, AI and first-party data is enabling in those transactions. So uh, Intercom is rich, rich, rich you know, a- AI platform that allows every customer interaction across the entire customer lifecycle to essentially learn and build. And so from, you know, from the very first moment, it might interact with you on, on a website into a, a product demo or a trial or over into a, uh, uh, an engagement with a product. It knows everything that you shared about it. And then it can actually create these really rich experiences, which really matters in a world where third-party data is going away. You know, in a, in a cookie-less world, you've got to be dependent on first-party data. So I'm excited when I see the technologies for deep, deep engagement. I think engagement is, is the future of a business, is the future, is the untapped area for the next generation of growth. Wow. That was amazing. And I have a hundred questions for you. I want okay. to, uh, I want to be brief, but, um, and we can talk more later. And if you guys are enjoying this, you can, you can check out the extended uh, cut version. But if you think about it, it's like, you know, first there was sales and marketing completely siloed. Now we're in this kind of phase where they're integrated and most folks know that they ought to be integrated and they see the value of integrated them, but it's still very much an analog thing. You know, it's like analog integrated, but you just gave us a glimpse toward a potential future where we actually put some technology, we point some technology at that to identify these opportunities, you know, because the fact is right now, like your support people aren't salespeople, right? If there were a salesperson on that same call, they would be like, oh, this is an upsell opportunity. Oh, like, like, you know, let's, let's solve this and upsell. So, but they can't sit on every call. So what's the next best thing is tech. Um, so I want to learn more about um, what your vision is, but I do want to wrap. Um, if you could real quick uh, for the, for the folks listening, how can they learn more about you or Intercom? Uh, well, check us out at intercom.io uh, and you'll see all of our solutions for you know, the customer lifecycle and how to more deeply engage real time, in context, in the moment. And um, you'll see how it can be a game changer for acquiring customers, um, engaging customers, and ultimately supporting customers. Awesome. Very good, Anna. If you're liking this, please drop us a like, comment, uh, share with a friend. Uh, Anna and I will continue talking. I'm curious to learn more about Intercom as well as some of the other uh, applications for this kind of tech. So stick around. Uh, you'll probably find a link somewhere in the show notes or around this video. Today, I'm super duper excited. We have Stephanie Moritz uh, currently with the ADA, but Stephanie, you have a long and storied career uh, in PR and marketing. 
transforming iconic brands. I mean, from like looking at your LinkedIn, it's like you were, seems like you were very systematic in your career growth. You know, you were like, uh, I think at first uh, uh, Hershey's and then to Conagra, and then now you're at ADA transforming things. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chris. It's great to be here. And I am a fan of of iconic brands, everything from Disney to Jim Beam, Hershey, ConAgra, and now the American Dental Association. So like to keep it exciting. And I knew you knew from a very early on that you wanted to be in marketing and you wanted to be at Disney. And that was that's a cool story in and of itself. Um, but what I would love to talk with you about today is uh, curiosity. So you openly say that it's one of your secrets to success. Uh, talk to us a little bit, and I'll start the timer in just a sec, but talk to us a little bit about curiosity. What does it mean to you and how can others tap into the power of it? Curiosity, it's not only a mindset, but it's also, I think, a competitive advantage. It's that secret sauce that that organizations who are thriving are really built upon. Instead of it being a, just an answer only, just get things done, Instead, if you build your culture with curiosity at the center, you're constantly asking why and what if, and how can we shift things up? So, so I, again, I think it's a secret for some of the, the organizations who have really continued to thrive, as well as the organizations who reinvent themselves. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And, and you can think about what you might consider an old stodgy organization that, you know, maybe used to a certain way and lack curiosity. How, and I'm, I don't know the ADA very well personally, but how do you, how would you suggest somebody go about taking kind of a legacy organization and transforming themselves into a curious and emerging growth brand? Uh, Chris, now you're speaking my language. The American Dental Association is 161 years old. Wow. And it's the leading healthcare organization for the profession of dentistry. Yeah. So I can tell you that uh, for my time at the ADA, it's been exciting to really interject and, and I'll say disrupt and flip the culture yeah. from we've always done it this way to asking more curious questions. Yeah. So there are a few different things, you know, number one, Design thinking or human-centered insights. As marketers, we so often use this to understand our customers, our external customers. But mm -hmm. how often are we really using it to better understand our employees, our internal customers? Mm -hmm. So the first is being able to flip the switch and looking internally. The second is getting everybody involved from being curious from questions being part of the meetings that yeah. you're in and really the day-to-day -day exercise. Yeah. Another part is understanding your team. I'm a big fan of DISC as well as Strength Finders so that we can really put together inspired teams that can help drive that forward. And then it's never stopping. It's ongoing co-creation and really understanding what's most important and most pain points. So, the final thing I'll say, it's asking more beautiful questions. So really thinking about how can we disrupt? How can you ask more questions in the meetings you're in or for a situation? There are just so many ways that you can bring curiosity. By doing, by bringing curiosity, you can show up very differently and it can change the outcome completely. I love that, Stephanie. Thank you very much. Uh, Stephanie, where can folks uh, find out more about you or the ADA? 
Absolutely. Well, on you can certainly find me at Twitter. I'm S Moritz, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Stephanie Crace Moritz, or please follow the American Dental Association. And remember, be curious. And where will your curiosity take you today? Love that. Okay. Today's guest is Amy Barzdukas, who's CMO of Witricity, uh, W-I-T-R-I-C-I-T. They're uh, a charging, an electronic vehicle charging startup uh, and is funded uh, and very small for what she's used to because she came up uh, as a longtime executive at Microsoft and then at HP, where she uh, did some, some really big things. The clip that you're about to see is her reaction to me telling her basically that I'm a performance uh, marketer mostly, and that I think brands sometimes can be a little bit fluffy. And so here's her reaction to my statement that brand can be fluffy because she's big into brand. Too often, uh, brand is not central to either the marketing efforts or to the business strategy and is seen as kind of something that takes whatever it's given and makes it pretty. Um, and yeah, that's a big mistake. Performance yeah. guys like me, like roll my eyes when I see brand. Uh, it's a brand, right? Here we go. Not really, not okay. anymore, but I'm a convert. Yeah. You know, and so um, there's a lot of branding work that people see as somewhat pedantic. And does it really matter if we have the brand hierarchy established? And does it really matter I mean, we just, we do what we do, um, but words matter and authenticity matters and having a point of view that is authentic to who you are as a brand is both a signal to your customers and your potential customers, as well as your prospects that they know what they're signing up for. Mm-hmm. When you have a great brand, you're also then really defining Um, the criteria for whether or not a particular product or a particular piece of software or a particular price point is something that is authentic to you. And customers can smell authenticity or lack thereof from a very, very far distance. And when you're not being authentic to who you are as a brand, the backfire is horrible. Um, You know, we've different companies I've been at, we've actually used brand as kind of the um, the litmus test. You know, does that price point for that kind of a solution with this set of features versus this set of features, who is actually, or which one of those is really true to who we are as a company? Um, and it can be terrific when you have that depth of understanding of who you are and what you stand for. Um, See, well, like that right there, and we don't have to publish this if you don't want this part, but that right there sounds kind of fluffy to me. Like the price point is, you know, resembles your authenticity. Like, so if I were to, you know, restate my opinion that, you know, branding is kind of fluffy, like how would you argue against that? So if you are uh, a brand that stands for value, you're not going to come out with a product that is premium priced. Sure. Right. Um, But there's a lot of gray area between what's a premium price, what's a not premium price. If you're a brand that stands for impeccable audio quality, Mm -hmm. right? You're not going to come out with 
uh, a headset that is mediocre because that gets you at the right price point, right? Yeah. It, so they, it, they become choice points in the product definition. Um, if you're a brand that speaks, you know, uh, to senior citizens, you're not going to, you know, develop a new TikTok campaign, right? That's right. not the kind of marketing you're going to do. That's not where, where necessarily those people live. Right. Um, I would agree. Yeah. So I think there's, it, it can influence product decisions. Um, it can influence make or buy strategy. It can influence um, marketing mix. And it becomes really important to understand what your brand stands for so that you don't spend money just because you have it, because it may not be time for that product yeah. to be marketed. So what you're saying sounds logical enough. Um but like what would like what are some things that you might be able to measure to determine the effectiveness of a brand, you know, because maybe that's why it's fluffy is because it seems like a lot of, you know, idea, like big ideas kind of, and then a consensus is drawn by committee, you know, and then they launch and then like that's it. I haven't seen really a whole lot of like measurement. There's maybe some customer studies, but can you think of any ways to like make branding more performance driven? Yeah. Um, so the first thing I would do is I would take issue with the by committee. If you are trying to do anything brand oriented by consensus, it will by definition suck mm -hmm. because great brand is also um, usually at least to some extent polarizing. And so that's where you have to really know and understand your customer, because a lot of times, I don't know how many times I've said this in the boardroom, where somebody said, well, I don't know about that. And I'm like, okay, to be clear, you are not our target customer. So yeah. it shouldn't appeal to you, right? Yeah. Great point. Um, but I think... You know, there are common proxies for brand strength, right? What is your share of voice? What's your web traffic versus others? What's the time spent on your... I mean, there's all of that kind of stuff. But ultimately, I think your brand strength comes down to um, NPS. Now, that's really hard for most companies, particularly my company size, many company sizes to measure because NPS has traditionally been a very expensive thing to measure. Um, but if you can find a way to do it, it can give you incredible insights into what you can do to improve your brand. Um, one of the things when I was with HP and we were working on an NPS study um, was we found that the number one issue and thing that people had bones to pick with us was about battery, battery life, battery charging, battery charging cables, everything to do with battery. And so that then became one of the chief driving um, principles behind the next wave of personal and business PCs that we came out with. We needed to challenge the perceived wisdom on what battery life could be for a Windows-based PC um, and it led to some really fantastic breakthroughs that helped us gain market share. And that's a way to really measure your brand, right? Are you growing in market share? Are you growing in revenue? Those are good things. Absolutely. So you guys basically, so based on user voice, based on what you heard, 
you changed your strategy at the brand level and really at the product level, it sounds like to focus on the charging piece. That's right. Well, there you have it. That was a key issue. Yeah. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Miss Amy Barzutska has just converted me to a believer just with that because it's, I never have thought about it in that context. It's like having that user voice, like we'll use user voice to influence a website, mm-hmm. maybe, a, maybe to influence an entire strategy, but to take that user voice and then reapply it at the very highest levels um, and then measure it through to like that specific feature or benefit of the product and gaining market share, like that's something that a performance person can get behind. That's right. All right. Well, I think that about does it. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed this today, please drop us a like or a comment. Let us know what you'd like to hear. Uh, Amy, it's been a real pleasure today. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at performancemarketinginsiders.com. This podcast is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the performance agency that makes you smarter, offering AI-driven search, paid social, analytics, and conversion rate optimization for financial services, health, B2B, and SaaS brands that know. Hey guys, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, you can get a performance marketing assessment for free. And this isn't some cookie cutter automated report. It lays out detailed, specific things you can do right now to unlock limitless growth and nirvana level personal satisfaction. To claim your free assessment, just go to performancemarketinginsiders.com slash audit and you'll have your customer report within just a few days. 